I hadn't preached in a while. So is preaching like riding a bicycle? I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. I hope it's not like playing golf, though. You know, all golfers know golfing is a mysterious game. Sometimes you're good and sometimes you're bad. So I'm trusting the Lord it's more like riding a bicycle. But I've enjoyed all the uh, last few weeks. I wanted to hear some different thoughts from people. I thought they were all amazing messages. They all go together, by the way, if you if you want to get a bigger picture. Yeah, God wants to give us bigger pictures. Lord, help me. So I believe we're living in a, a, an amazing time, even though it's distressing. And I wanted to tell you, for, you know, for some people who may not know me very well, you know, one of the ways that God's spoken to me my entire life, even before I was born again, is through dreams and visions. And it was been a really amazing journey to learn how to hear God like that and more importantly be able to interpret what he's saying because you can see something or hear something in the spirit realm but wrongly interpret it and I think that's been an issue for me personally is learning how to wait on the Lord and let him uh, talk to me, but I don't always do that very well. But I did want to tell you about a, a, a dream I had about our country. And <clears throat> it was back a few weeks ago. Uh, I dreamed there was this, this woman, and she was, a, she was an attractive woman. And she was a believer. And she, but she married a known Satanist. And at first, everything was okay. And, but little by little this husband of hers began to uh, invite her, uh, began to involve her in things that weren't good. And, and, and over a period, a long period of time, she, get, she got involved in things that you just don't even want to hear about, you don't even want to know about. Uh, the dream ended, and this woman, this woman was left in the hands of terrorists. And I woke up, and I felt like the Lord told me, that's the United States of America. And this has been going on for a really long time, that there has been a, an evil in our nation. Uh, and e- there's an evil in the, in, in the nations of the world. Uh, if you don't believe that, read the Bible. You know, there's a what they call the prince of, of the power of the air that's very much involved in what's happening in our world. And so um, I begin to, ask, begin to ask the Lord, you know, what we should do or what's your thought? You know, give me more. One of the things that I believe with all my heart is we have blame in this. Because we have allowed things to go on in our nation. We have not stood up against atrocities that have happened in our nation. Uh, Christians, I I read this startling statistic recently that 70% of Christian people don't actually vote. Now that's a sin. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a sin because... God has called us to make a difference on this earth. 
He, the church cannot withdraw itself from society. That's, that's wrong. We're called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Of course, voting is a very human, human natural thing, but it's a, it's, it's a way that we can at least attempt to turn things. It's a, a way we could say to politicians who condone abortions that we don't agree with you and we are not going to vote for you. We're going to find somebody else to vote for. And we should be doing that. And so I believe we, one of the ways that we deal with where we're at in our nation is, is through repentance, that we really need to, to repent and ask the Lord, first of all, we need to take responsibility. We need to take responsibility for what's going on in our nation. And listen, the world is going to always be, do bad things, right? Come on, y'all. They, that's expected. They're going to be into perversion. They're going to be into trafficking. They're going to be into injustices. Hey, that's the world. That's why the world needs Jesus Christ. That's why the world needs the body of Christ that's on the earth today to exert itself and reveal itself, not just in the realm of politics, but I think in every realm. And I think we haven't done that. I think God has a new playbook for the church. Uh, what I mean by a playbook, I mean, I think some of the things that, that we've done in the past hasn't worked, has it? If it worked, we would, I don't think we'd be where we're at right now. And I hear from a lot of believers the same old rhetoric, the same old ways, the same old, this is the way we should do this, and where I believe God has another thought. I really do. I think He has another way of doing things. And I actually think before our very eyes is unfolding. If you had a family of copperheads nesting in your house, would you not want to know it? Would you not, would you not want to know, would you not want every one of them to be revealed? Well, we have this revealing going on in our world today. There's a revealing of evil, and we, we repulse against it. We don't, and we want to do, we want to rile, we want to get upset. And that's not, God is allowing this evil to be revealed. Because He wants us to know about it. And He wants us to do something about it. And the minimum we can do is pray. I do believe that. I believe we can pray. And I believe when the body of Christ prays, Satan is bound. We've got to start believing in the power and the authority that Jesus has given us. He's given us authority. And if we don't believe in that authority, and if we don't believe what he said, then we will just keep doing the old way of trying to fix the world. A lot of the things you hear from, from the church, I, it's just laced with fear. I mean, it's just laced with fear. How can that be God? How can that be God? God doesn't lace anything that he says with fear. Are y'all good this morning? Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. I wanted to read this one scripture to you and tell you just a little bit. Uh, this is New King James. I'm going to really give you all some different translations this morning. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Not as fools. Circumspectly. Let me tell you about this word, circumspect. 
the, that's a kind of unusual word, isn't it? Uh, Jim was telling me about this, Jim Hill, because I feel like that's a scripture the Lord gave me for this time. It's the way we are to walk. Uh, Jim was telling me about uh, when he was a young believer back in the wee 70s at Lamb's Chapel, there was a guy who came there who was like a Greek expert. He was like one of these Holy Spirit-filled Greek Bible teachers. And they were, doing, they were going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, and he was teaching on Ephesians. And he brought out this word circumspectly. And this is the picture that he gave of this word. How if you were a person who lived in that era and understood the era, this is what you would, this is a picture that you could get real easy. He said, imagine uh, a fence. And there were bottles set up on the fence. Bottles and glass jars. And... And the boys in the neighborhood had their BB guns out, and they were using those jars and glass uh, bottles as target practice, and they were shooting them up. And so all over the top rail of this fence was glass. Okay, are y'all getting the picture? That's such an amazing picture to me. When he told me that, like, wow, it stuck with him for 50 years, 60 years, however long. He's not here. Maybe 70 years. (laughs) 40-something. But he's, and then a cat trying to walk, get from one place to the other on that fence with all of that glass. That's what circumspectly means. It's the glass, the cat, have you ever, you know, cats are real cool when it comes to walking. You know what I'm saying? You can throw a cat upside down. I I know y'all don't do stuff like that, but I know people who have. Let's drop the cat off the top of the house upside down and see how it does. And they always seem to land on their feet. So cats have something about them, but a cat being very careful where it steps, okay, as it walks across this fence. So I believe we're in a time like that, that there's broken glass everywhere. And we really have to be careful how we walk, that we have to be paying attention. And I'll tell you something, uh, overreacting is not healthy. Being emotionally charged is not healthy. That's not walking circumspectly. We need, we need the wisdom of God downloaded into us and begin to understand what's happening, begin to understand why things are allowed to be going on because it feels like nobody's doing anything about this. There's a lot going on that we don't know, but people really need to see the evil. You need, I need, the world needs to see the evil that's being played out in front of us. We need to see there's these snakes living with us, and we've got to deal with them, but if they're hidden, we'll never deal with them. We may be laying in bed at night with copperheads crawling up under our bed, but once they're exposed, we can begin to do something about them. And that's really what's happening right now in our nation. It, things are being exposed. We need to let the exposure, and it's probably going to get worse over the next few months. It's probably not going to get better. It's not going to get comfortable for us. That's good news, right? Because more is being exposed, and God has a plan. God has a plan for our nation, for, for all nations. I'm not, I'm not one of these super patriotic people. That United States is like up here and everybody else is down here. I haven't been to enough other nations to know that God loves all nations. And all nations bring something beautiful to the table. I just happen to be living here and have responsibility here. Okay? That I need to take care of my homeland. You know what I'm saying? And, and that way I can be better equipped to take care of other people's homelands. 
So I wanted to, okay, with all of that really wasn't the, the, well, let me just say it like this. (laughs) How you behave now is very important because it's going to determine some of your future. If you're acting like an idiot now, and if you're in this constant response mode, your future is not going to be, it could be in jeopardy. If you're flying off the handle constantly, if you're engaging people on an argumentative level constantly now, that is not healthy. That's not healthy. And that can mess you up because that messes your heart up. And so we need to be like the cat. We need to be very careful how we walk. We need to be trusting the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to download that new playbook he's got. This is not the 80s. This is not the old way Christianity tried to address what was happening in the nation because it didn't work. It didn't work, y'all. And so we need to get the new playbook. We need to ask God to download the new playbook, and I think God has downloaded it. I think there's unbelievers in our government that are playing from God's playbook. I really do. I think they are using the playbook. They might not know us from God, but it's like God has given them some wisdom and understanding on how to approach some of this stuff that's happening. We would love to see the army go in and wipe out all these Marxists, right? That's burning cities. And, but God may just have another plan. Y'all need to see what you're doing. You need to see there's things being re- revealed in this. You can be equipped to pray. I'm just saying that. All righty. That was just one little thing here. Woo, mercy, Lord, right? So I want to read these two verses to you from John 14. Because my thing is, Lord, I want to know how to get through this. I'm personally wanting to get through this with right behavior. Okay, with right heart. With right, I don't want to be whacked out every day. Do you want to be whacked out every day? Oh, some new thing has happened. You know, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live in panic. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to be depressed all the time. I don't want to be anxious all the time. I don't want that. That is not God. That's not how God created us to live. And so I was asking the Lord, Lord, I want to know how to do this. I want to know how to walk across that fence with all that glass. Show me how to do it. And obviously there's many ways, but this is the couple of verses he give, gave to me. Number one, uh, John 14, 1, and I'm going to use the, the Passion Translation Bible just because I love the way they say it. They, it say it. they say it's basically the same thing in all the other translations, but they say it a little, a little more beautiful. It says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. Wow. Don't worry or su- surrender to your fear. Surrender to your fear. Listen, sur- say that word, surrender. 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 So there's a choice Jesus was bringing to us right away. There's a, you're going to have to make some choices. In other words, fear is going to be there. Fear is not eliminated. He's telling us, this is what you do when, when you hear fearful things. This is what you've got to do. This is Jesus said, don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. So that was the first thing he said. You've got to, instead of surrender to that, surrender to me. Trust me. In the midst of all of this, whenever you hear anything or you see something that makes you fearful, that makes you concerned, and I'll tell you something, that spirit's really strong right now. Have you noticed it? 
it's not just on television or media. Uh, go, to a, go sit in a parking lot in your car while your wife shops and you don't want to go in and observe what's happening around you. Observe when you see a group of people gather in a parking lot. Observe the sense of what's going on. There's something happening all across our nation. Pay attention. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. Now, uh, verse 27. I leave the gift of peace with you. I leave the gift of peace with you. Jesus has given us a gift. My peace. In other words, the same peace that Jesus himself walked in when he walked in this earth, when he was under constant ridicule, mocking, threats, all the way down to being actually, you know, murdered, crucified. He carried a peace with him. So he said, I'm, I've, I've, the thing that carried me through all of that, the power that carried me through all that, this ability that carried me through it, had a lot to do with his peace. And then he says, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. And see, that's really what people want. They want this fragile peace. And he does, he's saying, this is not what I'm giving you. I'm not giving that. That is not ours. You can choose that fragile peace if you want to, which means compromise. Go along. Hope everything will be okay. Look the other way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'll be okay. Pretend it's not happening. That's a fragile peace. It may feel good for the moment. It may f- you feel like you escaped something in the moment, but you didn't escape. It's very fragile. It'll break in a, in a heartbeat. But my perfect peace. Don't listen. He says it two times in this, ch- in this chapter. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Don't. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do it. So, in other words, there's this choice we have to make. If we're going to yield to the fear, fear, we're going to yield to this trouble. If we're going to get frantic, oh my gosh. If we're going to overreact. He said, Jesus is saying, don't. Don't give in to that. Because when you give in to that, you're giving in to this, to this powerful spirit that's at work. Instead, be courageous. See, God's calling the church to be courageous right now. He's looking for men and women who are willing to be courageous who are willing to stand up and be courageous. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? You know, it's just time for the church to have some courage and quit being so, you know, so, anyways. Let me say a couple more things about peace. Peace, you know, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, but but, um, peace is an antidote to fear. In other words, that venom that the devil wants to shoot into our hearts, peace is the thing that will bring, it's like, the, it's like the antidote. Like if you gave, if somebody got bitten by a snake, they give them this venom, which is an antidote, and, it, and, and you know, they're okay. Uh, so I believe peace is, you know, I guess you could say peace is a, is, is a power, but I believe peace is more a carrier of power. Okay? It's a carrier of power. Jesus, when he, Jesus calmed the storm on the, on the boat, he spoke out of peace, and because there was peace on his words, power was able to go against that storm. The power of God was able to be released onto that storm, and it stopped it. So peace is a carrier, and uh, the Bible says, this is a famous verse, I love this verse, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace will do that. 
I think we've said this before, it's not the God of war. It's the God of peace. That's how Jesus operated. That's, he was carrying this peace in him, and he was able to release that peace. And the power of God came with the peace, and the power of God did what it was supposed to do. Peace is a carrier because it's part of the kingdom. It's a substance of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17, right? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And those three things are like substances of the kingdom. And when we are walking in those things and we're allowing those things to dominate us, righteousness, peace, and joy, then we have this power that is able to operate towards all this evil. Are y'all following this? And see, this is the way Jesus walked and lived his life on this earth. Uh, years ago, I'm talking 2012-13 vintage. Some of y'all might remember it. Is, uh, Bob Jones came to the church and he said, There's something coming that you do not have a right to. That's what he said. You don't have a right. There's something coming. Well, you know how prophets, true prophets are like this. We think tomorrow. Uh, some of them, and this is years down the road. I know he was telling about some of his words he got. Uh, this is before he passed in 2014. It was like 30. He got the word, and it took 30 years for it to manifest. But it did manifest. And so we kind of write people off because, you know, for the wrong reason. But he said, uh, there's something coming you don't have a right to. And this is what he said. There are four things. Depression, anxiety, fear, and panic. It's here. His word is here. I mean, it's not coming, it's here. There's going to be other waves of it that come. It's situations that cause people to be depressed. It's situations that cause people to panic, to get into fear. You hear what I'm saying? That's what he was saying. He was seeing something that was headed our way, and he said, you don't have a right to it. You don't have a right to it. So if, you, if those things have grabbed you, if those things are starting to hold your heart, then you've allowed something into your life that's not of the kingdom of God. You've allowed something else to begin to affect your thinking and affect the way you live. And you're going to get, you are going to be depressed. You are going to have these sensations of panic, anxiety, and fear just because the world has it. See, here's the thing. As believers, I don't think we ever get this revelation over and over is, you know, as believers, many of us have lost children. We've lost our children. We've, had, we've buried our children. We've buried spouses. We've had marriage to break up. We've, had, we've faced cancer and, and disease, just like the, everything the world has. So it's not that we are exempt from the storms and the difficulties of life. We're not exempt from them. We're here in those storms. The difference is, is who do we find in the storm? Who have we discovered in this storm? Who have you discovered since all this craziness has started? Really and truly, have you discovered him in a deeper way? Have you found him asleep in your boat with you? I mean, truly, have we done that? Or have we continued on trying to be something or live in a way that's not reality anymore for us? The world that we lived in last year has shifted. Things have changed. We're in a different time. And the quicker we realize that, and begin to embrace God in this time and what God wants to do in this time and become who God wants us to be. How many people in this world, in this room, want to be defined by fear? 
or by depression or by panic. None of us, we don't want that to define us. We want Jesus to define us. Whew, mercy, Lord. So it's not the absence of storms that sets us apart. We, I wish it was. You know, like, nothing bad ever happens to me. I'm special. That's just not, you're an idiot. <laughs> right? If we're thinking that way, you're misled, pal. You think you're going to get away out of this earth, this, this, this fallen world, with nothing bad happening to you, no difficulty, no trials, no tears, no sorrow, no moments in life when you just feel like, you know, where's God? Why did God allow this? I mean, all that. We all go through that. We must go through it. We must walk through those times and find what we sing this morning, that He's faithful and good, that He got us through the other side. So, Here's another thought. Whoo, Lord help. I forgot what time I started. I'm just in. Did I learn how to ride a bicycle? Y'all didn't get that. <laughs> Fear itself is not a sin. Okay? Fear is not a sin. But it can lead to sin. You hear that? Fear itself is not a sin. Uh, so, so here, fear can serve a healthy function. In other words, if you're in your house and it catches on fire, fear would tell you, you better get out of here, right? It serves a hell. It's like what they call the proverbial canary in the coal mine. You know, back in the day they had canaries down in coal mines because of the gas levels. And you work, but if that canary toppled over, you got out of there because you knew the gas levels were too high and you were next. Fear is an indicator. Fear is here to tell us something. It's like the gauge on your car. You're running out of gas. Your oil's low. You need to do something. So when we feel fear, it's, a, it's, it's God's way of reaching humanity. It's God's way to tell us there's something going on that's not correct. It began in the garden when Adam said, when the Lord said, where are you? He said, I hid because I was naked and afraid. See, Adam should have known right away he felt something, and what he was feeling was wrong. There's something wrong in my life all of a sudden. I feel this fear from the God who I walk with every day of my life, and I know he loves me and cares me, but all of a sudden I want to withdraw from him. You see, that's what fear was trying to do. Fear really is a servant. It's meant to serve you and I. It's, but, it, but what we have done, we have allowed it to rule us. We have allowed it to be the thing that we make our decisions based on fear. And we shouldn't do that. Oh, the house was on fire. I should get out into fear. Because the Bible says this, fear ultimately involves punishment. And so one of the things, that, that's uh, 1 John four eighteen, Perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves punishment. One of the things, whoo, Lord help, right? So when we feel fear a lot, this is what the Lord's trying to say to you. You need to grow in my love because you're letting fear rule you instead of letting love rule you. You see, fear can be a positive thing in that sense if we begin to see that it's telling us something. But if we bow to fear, then we have allowed fear, panic, depression, anxiety to, be our, to define us, to define who we are. And that's a sin. 
That's a sin because Jesus is the only one who has the right to do that. And we've given fear, panic, depression, and anxiety. We've given it a place in our life that it doesn't have, should not have. And I feel like that's what the body of Christ has done pretty much. A lot of our reactions to the political things, a lot of our reactions to the pandemic, to me, is just like, wait a minute, are, are we reacting out of fear? Where's faith? Where's love? Where's the voice of God? Where, where is that? We spend more time reacting to what the devil's doing than checking in with God and find out what he's saying to do about it. That's really our first thought. It should be. Let me read this scripture. You're going to like this one, man. Luke 19, verse 41 through 42. This is, this is the Passion Translation also. I, I love this, man. When, uh, this is, you know, Jesus, you know, weeping over Jerusalem. It says, when Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem. Wow, isn't that powerful? Uncontrollable. In other words, you know, we're talking, you know, like that kind of, where you can't even get your breath crying, snot flying. You know, you've done that when you was a kid, I'm sure, where you were just, you were beside yourself crying. That's where G, he was beside himself. That's powerful language right there. That's, that shows you God's heart. In an amazing way that Jesus just went in uncontrollable emotion over Jerusalem. Because he had such a love for that place. That was his home. Saying, listen, if only you could recognize that this day, peace, peace is within your reach. Peace is within your reach, but you didn't recognize it. Or you didn't, but you cannot see it. Now, this is powerful. Peace is in all of our reach. What did Jesus say when he came? There's two babies that look just like each other. The twins. Everybody give the twins a hand. Actually, you should give their mom and daddy a hand. Don't you love babies? Well, I just lost my train of thought. Thank you, Lord. It's a train, right? Train wreck. <laughs> yeah. Woo, Lord help. Yeah. He, yeah. The kingdom of God, Jesus, his first message was, listen, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or within reach. In other words, the king, his kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy is right here for you. And everywhere he walked on the earth in those three years as minister, it was available. And he was, they didn't see it. They didn't recognize it. Why didn't they recognize it? Because they couldn't see it. They, they didn't recognize it. And one of the things that fear does to us, it, it blinds us. It, it causes us to go stone cold death spiritually. You cannot hear God. You cannot connect with God if you're ate up with fear. All of a sudden, the spiritual realm closes off. God's spiritual realm closes off. And that other realm begins to open to you. And your revelations that you start getting are all negative. They're all demonically inspired. The devil's in those things. Because suddenly fear is ruling you. Panic is ruling you. Anxiety is ruling you. You're depressed. Are y'all following this? This is really important because we're going to need this. 
Because I don't think it's going to get any better anytime sooner. I think this year is going to be, you know, tumultuous. We're in a storm right now. We need to find that person in the boat who's got the peace. We need to get a hold of him and get him to tell us how to walk in this thing wisely and full of peace instead of full of panic. Fear blinds you. It drowns out the voice of heaven. That's what happened to Adam when he, he was blinded by fear all of a sudden. Suddenly that beautiful voice, suddenly that beautiful communion that he had with God, he wanted to run from it. That's how damning fear is to us. It damns our life. It cuts us off from the very heart of God the Father. It cuts us off from the very passion of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't connect with it. We can't connect with it. It blinds us. It makes us dumb, spiritually dumb. You could be very intelligent. So... Here's another one. Are y'all? So really, what I wanted to, yeah, thank you, Lord. So here's what I think. Prince of Peace, Lord, come to me. Prince of Peace, show me where I'm not living in peace. Because if I'm not living in peace, I'm not living in faith. That's the truth. To the degree I'm not living in peace, that's the degree I'm not walking in faith. I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in joy. I'm not walking in righteousness. That's, that's the truth. And God wants us to walk in all those. But I wanted to read, read this, uh, John 16, 13. I'm kind of going to turn twist it a little bit in a little different direction. It says, but when the truth-given spirit comes which he's already come, by the way. Amen? Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Oh, the Holy Spirit is really good, and he's real practical. I'm going to tell you that right now. I've had some great experiences with the Holy Spirit. I had one this week that was pretty, pretty cool. You know, I have an addiction in my life, y'all. I need to go to five steps or whatever it is. The addiction, and I can't, and I don't even want to break the addiction, honestly, is this. You know what that is? Chapstick. That's my addiction. So I'm getting ready to leave my house. I'm just telling you this because I thought it was, it was so lovely with the Holy Spirit. You ever had that feeling, I'm forgetting something? So I went through my checklist in my head. That, okay, I got, my, I got my laptop. I got my phone. I got my wallet. I got my keys. I got some money. I got everything I need for the day. I'm good. I don't know why I feel this. Lord, you've got to tell me if I'm really forgetting something because I don't know what I'm forgetting. So I leave my house, and as I turn left to come down here to the church, all of a sudden, like, no! Why did you wait this long to tell me that I don't have a chapstick on me? Because I'm going to have to go to the store now and buy one. But I just thought, man, I just so love the Holy Spirit. Because even stuff like chapsticks... He cares about that stuff. He may not want me addicted to it. I don't know. I've never asked him about it, truthfully, because I don't want to hear what he has to say. Because if he tells me I want you to quit, then I'm going to be in trouble because I'm probably going to fight him and disobey him. And, you know, it's just going to be issues because I've been doing this since I was a little boy. But I'm just putting a plug in for the Holy Spirit because I love the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is beautiful. The Holy Spirit is God just as much as Jesus is God and just as much as the Father is God. 
He's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of holiness. Listen, what he will do, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. Every one of them. That's, what, that's his job, is to begin to reveal truth in us. He won't speak his own message. He didn't have a message. But only what he hears from the Father. And he will, oh, that's great. And, listen, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Isn't that powerful? I think some of the other translations, he's going to reveal the future to you. Reveal what? I just thought it said it really well. So, you know, if fear will block that from being there to see what's to come. It'll block the Holy Spirit from talking to you about your chapstick problem. Okay? But I want to say this. We're in a time where the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us about what's to come. He wants to reveal the future. It says it right there. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He don't just reveal revelatory truth to you, okay, which He promised He would, and we want that, we pursue that, we love that. We're always saying more revelation, more insight into the Word of God. We want that. We need to start pressing in to this thing about the future. Now, we're in that time so we can begin to understand what's happening in our culture, in our own homes. Okay? This is really important. Okay? Let me tell you about this. I went and did some research about how prominent the future is in the Bible. You, this, is, this was shocking to me. I love information like this, by the way. Listen to this. There are approximately... 735 predictions about the future in the Bible. About one out of every four verses in the entire Bible deal with future events. One out of four deal with future events. That should tell you something. Of those, listen to this, of those 735 predictions, 596 have already been fulfilled to the letter as stated in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? So if you want to know about the future, we have a book that tells us about the future, and it's already, some of this stuff, a bunch of this stuff has already been fulfilled and done just as the book said it would. Now that's a plug for getting into the, to the Word of God, which that's another subject that I think is really important right now, but I'm going to let that go because I don't want to, Get myself. There are only 20 future predictions that have not been fulfilled that concern events that will occur before the return of Christ. 20. 20 things that the Bible has predicted that's going to happen on this earth before Christ returns. That's, that's the only left. The only ones that are left. And the rest are, occur after the second coming. So, just based on that... What I just told you should tell you God is very interested in us knowing about the future. If the Holy Spirit, one of the things He does is tell people about the future. He tells us about the truth, about revealing the truth to us, but He also tells us about the future. We should be people that stand up and get attention like, I need to know about the future. I need the Holy Spirit to start talking to me about the future. And this can be, like I think I said, like big event future 
Or it can be just stuff in your own personal life. Your, your household, your situation, where God is saying, this is what's going to happen, okay? So let me tell you about this crazy thing that happened to me. And the reason I'm, I'm sharing this is I, I had a, I've had some dreams recently about the future that came exactly true, just as I dreamed them. The crazy thing, like I said at the beginning of my message, is I didn't interpret them correctly. Because I am so wound up in this world of, of interpreting everything so symbolically, that all of a sudden when God starts talking to me literally about things, it's like I completely miss it, because I'm still in the symbolic world. Yeah. Are you hearing what? So let me, this is a kind of funny one, but it wasn't funny. I had this dream, this is what the dream was. VBS, where's Joe? He's all right. Vacation Bible School is going on at River Life. This is a month before or weeks before it happened. VBS is going on. I'm in the back building standing in front of these thermostats on the wall. The air conditioner wasn't working. And there's all these wires out. And, I'm, and Joe's in the background. You've got to fix this. He was, his face was red. The kids are hot. The people doing it are hot. You got to get it fixed, Byron. And I'm so I'm in this dream. I'm all stressed out, thinking, thinking in my mind. I know I can fix this because this is an electrical problem. I can do electrical stuff. So I'm trying to figure out these wires. And then I woke up like, oh Lord, I must just be trying to take on too much, Lord. I'm just so sorry, Lord. I just ask you to forgive me, Lord. I'm just letting church life stress me out. And please forgive me. Thank you for telling me that, Lord. Forget it. Moving on with life until the first night of VBS, I get this text from my dear wife, like, the air conditioner's not working in the back building. You need, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it was just in one room. Thank y'all for, and they're melting away. <laughs> Put fans on. And the next day, the guy comes, and uh, we got the guy, Maya got the guy to come, and yep, it was an electrical problem. It was a relay that wouldn't let the fan turn on. I thought, yeah, so what it was, see, what the Lord wants to do is wake us up now. It's not, everything's not symbolic. There's some literal things that God wants to tell us about stuff coming. So we'll know. Now listen, this is really important, okay? Let me read John 14, 29. I hope everybody in this room is doing fine this morning. I also had another dream about the stock market, how many people follow the stock market? I, every day. I, I love following the stock market. I, I learned how to follow it a few years ago. That doesn't mean I have any money. Obviously, I don't. I just like following the stock market. It's, it's fascinating to me. But I saw a number on the stock market. I don't know. I believe this is higher than where we are now. I will say that. I'm not going to tell you what the number is because the Lord hasn't given me any real clear insight yet that, the dream could be, don't worry about the stock market. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go there, and if it goes there, that's a good thing for the economy of this country. Or that number may be a significant number when it hits there that something significant is going to happen. Whenever the Lord reveals that to me, I will be glad to pass it along to you. But I do can tell you this. The stock market is going to go higher based on that dream I had. It's not, not going to, I mean, it's pretty good right now, in my opinion, you know. Anyways, there's other dreams, but I want to read this verse, uh, John 14, 29. Uh, in the NL, this is the NLT, so I've given you New King James, 
uh, the Passion Translation, and now New Living. This is at the end of John 14 uh, chapter where he's been telling them all this stuff. And he says, I've told you these things, listen, before they happen. I've told you these things before they happen. Jesus wants to tell people stuff before they happen. So that when they do happen, now this is important, so that when they do happen, get your beans or, you know, what was that Jim said, the beans and bacon. Well, I don't remember what he said. Get your beans and bacons and AK-47s. That is not what, that's not what Jesus, that's not his purpose in revealing the future. It's, it's none of that. And if we, it doesn't mean you can't do those things. Okay, I'm not suggesting you can't do them. If you want an AK-47, get one. Get two. Get three. Or what's an AR-15s? I know people who've got multiple AR-15s. I won't tell you who they are, but it's like, let me have one. You know, but anyways, those are, you know. When I was growing up, guns were not a, put down like they are now. We were sportsmen. That's what we did. Is we were always we were the ones out there shooting bottles and stuff. He said, "I've told you things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you'll believe." That's what he said. Just I want you to have faith. Okay, that, that's really what he was saying. When these things happen, you can believe. You can point your faith in a direction. Oh, the Lord told me this. This is a bad thing, but He told me it was going to happen. I know God's speaking. He knew this was going to happen. I'm going to trust Him. If He's got some wisdom for me about this thing, then I can I can use it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That should be our first response. It not not preparation. And I'm again. I want to say preparation's fine. I'm not against. It. I'm just saying this is what Jesus said. Okay, because Jesus is looking for a people of faith. And you're not, and, and one of the ways we have faith is part of having faith, what's the faith is what? The substance of things, what? Hope for. Thing, hope is where? Hope's in the future. If, if, you, if it's in the now, you don't have to hope for it no more. You have it. Hope's in the future. So you see, part of faith is seeing something in the future. So if we're not people who are seeing things in the future, then we have to question where our faith is. Therefore, we're going to be always drugged down by what's happening now. God doesn't want us to be drugged down. He wants us to rise up in victory. He really does. And so I just believe the Lord really wants to encourage us. I, I don't want you to feel discouraged this morning. I want us to be convicted. Okay? And I want us to begin to tap in. Now, God may not give you dreams about like me. Like I say, that's how God speaks to me. Okay? But God wants to speak. God has a voice. God wants to talk. You know, the Bible, I can't remember the exact verse it is, but it's talking about John the Baptist, and it says, of a voice crying in the wilderness. That's, that's what they said about John. That's what Jesus said about him. He's a voice crying in the wilderness. There are many voices, many voices out there now. There's more voices than there ever have been in our life, right? I mean, too many voices. But what you and I have to do is dial into the voice. 
there is a the voice for all of us. It may be in different realms. If you're, if you're in the school system, you, there's a voice that God wants you to hear that's particular about schools or, or business or politics, whatever it may be. But we have to begin to dial into that the voice and hear what that the voice is saying. And you have to be able to discern all the other voices that that's not the voice for me right now. God has a particular voice for me that He wants to speak to me. He wants to reveal to me. You, you had to get into your lane. You had got to find your lane, who you are as a person, what, how God wants to flow in your life. And, you, it will, and here's what will happen. When those things begin to, when God begins to reveal them, something will resonate inside of you. you it'll be something inside of you. It'll resonate with you, and you'll know that's the voice of God for me. That's where God wants me to go. That's what He wants me to hear. That's what He wants me to see. Does that make sense? And so you've got to listen to inside of you what, you know, what we were taught as young Christians, watch the witness of the Spirit. Like, what does that mean? I never understood that. Arthur Burt would say, watch the witness of the Spirit. Like, what does that mean? But I learned it's this thing in me that, that when I hear something that God is speaking to me, it resonates inside of me. And I'll tell you something, you've got to get at this point in time where you get more and more dialed into that and less dialed into everything, other voices. Now, those other voices may be very legitimate voices of God. I'm not discounting them. I'm just saying for you and I, we've got to dial in and hear what the Father's saying to us so we'll, we will know what to do. Because honestly, God, I don't think uh, the voice that God has given the President of the United States, I don't think he's going to talk to me like that. Right? If he's, if he's talking to Donald Trump, I hope he is. I hope Donald, may more, I hope he's listening. But you know what I'm saying? God's going to say different things to me. You know? He would say uh, different things to a school teacher that's facing what they're facing. Or, or somebody who works in health care. So that's really it. I want to just take a minute to pray. Okay? If, if you like to pray for our country and pray that we as a nation that the snakes that are in the house would be totally exposed and their heads would be chopped off. That's what I want to pray. And if I've done something wrong, you know, to perpetuate this, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me how I can repent. Show me what I can do practically. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. So let's just stand up a minute and uh, have this time of prayer. Uh, I was really encouraged. I was talking to Becky this morning about what's happening in our... Uh, well, you know, you got the three branches of government, right? The executive branch. Make sure I get this right, somebody like Maya who's real smart. Executive, legislative, and judicial. What's going on in the judicial part of our government right now is really significant. There's significant things happening behind the scenes. We need to pray for, we need to pray for like the guy, what's his name, A.G. Barr. He's really set the bar high. And we need to pray that, because I think there's, God wants to use, obviously, the judicial branch of our government to deal with some of these snakes. I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. If, if they're not going to deal with it, 
then get them out and put somebody in there who will deal with it. Because that's what they need to be doing. They don't need to let the devil run havoc over our country. So, Father, we're just asking you today. Lord, we just are saying this thing has been going on a lot longer than we any of us really know. But we believe there's there's nest of demons in our nation. Lord, there's, there's trafficking, Lord, that's going on that we are, would be stunned to know about. There's abuse going on that we'd be stunned to know about. There's injustices that we have no clue, Lord, that are happening. And I believe you want to expose it, Lord. And we're asking you today to expose the evil in our nation. Lord, not so we will be appalled and we would be afraid, but we would stand up in this hour, Lord, and we would see the devil crushed under, your, under our feet, that the God of peace would anoint us. I just, we're asking you to do that. Lord, in any area where we personally need to repent, Holy Spirit, convict us. Convict us. Convict us. Help us to hear what the Father's saying and doing. Help us, Lord, so we'll know what to do on a personal level, on a real level. Lord, I'm asking you to do that today. Lord, we don't deserve for you to do that. Our hands as a nation is bloody with innocent blood. And so, Lord, we all can today say for sure we're sorry, Lord, about the abortion. And we ask you to forgive us that abortion ever happened in our nation. And we ask you to, to turn that thing around, Lord, and to break the power of murder and an innocent blood being shed. And, Lord, we are also very convicted about how the word of the Lord is being excluded. And there's even legislation in some states that are saying we don't want the Bible in our state that it's not acceptable here no more in any of our government places. Lord, we're sorry that that has happened. We're sorry that's happened. Lord, we're sorry that we have candidates that are running for high office in our nation saying that they desire that the schools would teach on Islam and at the same time pushing Christianity out, Lord. We're so sorry, Lord, that has happened to our nation. Lord, we're so sorry for these things, and we ask you to do something. We are saying, Lord, somehow we have fallen short. Lord, help. Help our nation. Turn this thing, Lord. We're asking you to turn this thing, Lord. Turn this thing, Lord. Yes. And, Lord, I just pray for the body of Christ that we would have the stomach we would have the stomach to deal with this. We would have the fortitude to get through this and not run and stick our heads in the sand. That we would be able to press through when we hear awful things, Lord. We'd be able to press through and find you and not get in despair and not give up and not pull back. Lord, we're asking you to do that in the name of Jesus. We're asking you to do that, Lord. Lord, we just pray you'd raise up a mighty army. A mighty army. A mighty army, Lord, of believers. Mm, thank you, Lord. Ooh, Lord. I'll tell you something. One thing the devil, one of his main lies for people 
right now is that you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You can't make a difference. In fact, you need to back off. You need to pull yourself back. That's a lie from hell. Don't give in to that lie. Please don't give in to that lie. You can make a difference. You have something in you that can make a difference. If nowhere else, you can make a difference in your own house. You can bring peace into your home. If nowhere else. And imagine if your neighborhood, every home had peace in it. The peace of God. Imagine what that neighborhood would be like. People would be drawn to that place just for the peace. People would be drawn to it. God wants to do that. I mean, the devil really is constantly telling me, trying to intimidate me and tell me, you just, you're not, you're no good. You're, you don't measure up. God can't use you. You have failed. Just, I mean, it's just constant noise in my mind where I have to constantly say no to those thoughts. Because once you begin to agree with those things, once you begin to agree with the thoughts of the devil, then those things begin to start controlling your mind, your thinking, and they begin to control your speech. And once they got your speech, your world, has, your course of your life has been set. That old saying that you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can stop them from nesting in your head is the truth. Occasionally they may fly over and do-do on your head. You might not be able to stop that. Oh, I was just in the wrong place. But you can also wash that off. But you don't need to have the devil nesting in your head. Okay? You really don't. I want to go back. I'm going to end. Just remember Bob Jones's word. There's something coming. I'm going to say to adjust his word. There's something that's here that you have no right to. Fear, anxiety, depression, and panic. You have no right to it. You, if it's got you, give it to Jesus. When you feel it, tell Jesus about it. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling bummed. I'm down. I got this panic thing trying to get on me. You know, it'll, it'll try to get on you. And so when it does, deal with it. Face it. Look at it in the eye. Don't cower. Look at it. And when you hear something that's happened in the world that we live in, some terrible thing, don't go into the panic mode. Don't go into the reaction mode. Make your first step with, Father, what do I need to do? Do I need to pray? Tell me what to do. Help me. Tell me how to respond. I need to respond the way you want me to respond. I need to be able to release peace for those around me when they hear it because they may be real scared and they may not have what I have, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you for that, y'all. And so let me just pray for you right quick. And and pray God's blessing upon you. Father, thank you for River Life, and thank you for all the families here and the people who listen online. Lord, I just pray that every one of us, Lord, when we feel fear or panic or any of that, Lord, that we would realize, hey, I, I, need, to, I need more of the love of God in my life. You're, you're just letting me know that there's more love to experience. There's more, there, that love, I need to be grounded deeper in love. So when I feel these things, let me go to love first. Let me go to peace first. And so the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit can begin to work in my life. I pray for everybody, Lord, for a fresh anointing and fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and power. 
just come on your people, Lord, today. And that anointing of boldness that the apostles had in the book of Acts, when, it, when they were shook, when the world was shook, when they were challenged, that they became bold people because the Holy Ghost was in them and moving in them. And he gave them boldness to speak when they were supposed to speak. And gave them a wisdom on know what to speak. I just pray that for us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for that. If Okay, honey, why don't you come out here with her, Becky? Um, whenever all of this stuff first started going on, I was really kind of getting in the panic and the fear and anxiety. And um, I really just felt the Lord drop this into my heart. And he was saying, Krista, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what your ears hear, the enemy has been defeated, and victory is here. Yes. So, Amen. all these things that Byron has been talking about, and like the things that are are being revealed, that you know possibly make your stomach stomach turn, and you'd be like, "God, what in the world?" No matter what your eyes see, yeah. Yeah. no matter what your ears hear, the enemy has already yeah. been defeated, yeah. and victory is here. Amen. I just wanted to give you one more thought, too. You, you know, people we're around in the world, we really need to have compassion because they don't have the Lord. And they're eaten up with it. And it's so important that we release peace, peace around them and not be controversial and all that thing because they're, they're just lost. And so, and the other thing is, and that spirit tends to want to get on you. And so it's, we really need to recognize that and know that the way we combat that thing is through the Lord's peace. And I just want to say today that this was a very pastoral message today for our congregation. And, you know, Byron's heart was really trying to tell you his place where he is today with you guys that he wants us to walk in peace. And I just wanted to commend him for that because I could really feel his pastoral heart coming at us. And yeah, it's really. That's big. <laughs> he says a few slang words, but you know, I've, I've, I can't train him on that. <laughs> I wanted to leave this last little thought to you. Uh, something Don uh, Gein just reminded me of. And, and this is the truth, if there was a truth. All fear is built on a lie. Remove the lie and the fear will die. That's the truth. It's the truth. It's the biblical truth. Read Genesis 1 through 3. And Krista's word is very right on. When she texted me, I was praying for Krista. And in the, for, I had her on my heart one morning praying for her. And bam, I got a text from her. And that word was it. And so I believe that's really... Not, don't see with your eyes. What did Jesus do? He didn't see any, He didn't look with his eyes. He didn't hear. He only, he dialed in exactly what we've, the message we've gotten today. So amen. Great. Well, we'd like to invite the ministry team up. We want to pray for you before you leave today. If you want prayer to engage and whatever's going on in your life or to respond to today's message or to get set free. Come on up. That This heart for these folks are to pray for you and our heart is to pray. If not, you can be dismissed. Please do not forget to get your kids.
Go pick them up. Be dismissed. Be blessed. We love you. Have a great week.